Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood, and joining me this evening, as always, we've got Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. Uh, coming off a pretty boring uh, slate of games, Divisional Weekend, right, guys? Especially that Viking Saints stinker. Right, Will? Oof. Oof. A lot of, a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows in that game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And Trey, what did you think? How, Divisional Weekend, how did it work out for you? It was good, man. I mean, jeez, there were some really um, surprising finishes. I, I think that we all expected the Minnesota-New uh, Orleans game to deliver, and boy, did it. What an incredible finish. Um, lots of good football. Jacksonville representing. I mean, who, who would have thought that it was going to be almost 90 points scored in that game? Dear Lord. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it was it was crazy, unpredictable weekend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into talking about that in our moments of letdowns of the week, uh, I just thought I'd throw something out to you guys. I was looking on Twitter, and Brad Evans sent out this uh, poll about best old-school sports video game. So I was curious, are, are you guys uh, more of the NBA Jam uh, uh, persuasion, uh, maybe uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, RBA Baseball, or NHL 94? Will, have you given this some thought? What old school video games? What was going on in our, our chat today too? And I was just surprised that nobody chose Tecmo. That was so when I was growing up, that was the Nintendo game that we didn't like. We didn't own, like. I mean, to have a ton of Nintendo games. We did have one of the RBI baseballs, which I played probably way too much. But the excitement factor was around Tecmo because I get to borrow from my neighbors, his older brothers. And, you know, I don't know if anybody has been in this situation. Like when you ask a friend to borrow their older brother's stuff. So it's like a big risk. And so there's not only the excitement of getting to play such a great game in Tecmo, but also the excitement of you may or may not be able to borrow it. <laughs> it's like, you know, walk, this is the day before cell phones too. So like walking next door, you know, knocking on the door and not hang out with your friend, but to borrow the video again. You've got the nicest move ever, but it's great. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you guys are growing, but do you have like Nintendo club? Uh, one of my friend's older brother, he started Nintendo Club. So you would go into some some kid's room and you would have to share controllers, you know, and everyone like take turns playing games. So, you know, now we just go online and we play with all these other random people we don't know. It's it's really changed a lot. Yeah, Tecmo, man, a great game. This is such a tough list, though. That's why I wanted to talk about it because it, it's all those games are so great. Trey, what, what about you? What, which game sticks out in your mind? Well, the first rule about Nintendo Club is there is no Nintendo Club. So, you know, for me, it's pretty easy. It's RBI baseball. I, I mean, I love that, that game. Um, as a matter of fact, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I was looking to try and see if I could find, um, I think at the time I had a PS3 and um, I was looking to see if RBI baseball is available. You know, you got all these modern sports games with the incredible uh, graphics and the um, AI is incredibly accurate just great gaming experiences and i was like man i really miss that um rbi baseball just the simple um the sounds it was just incredible i used to love it and and true story never played tech mobile ever miss now wow 
Yeah, yeah RBI was. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to take care of that. We'll have to we'll take find it. I, I don't know if that when they released the uh, the NES did they did, was that on there? I don't think it was on there. Was it? I don't know. I'm surprised. Can, so there's like an NES. You can go to like nescouncil.com, uh, and there's an emulator where you can play all these games for okay. Nintendo. And Tecmo Super Bowl's on there. Nice. I'm, nice. Well, I'm surprised you didn't pick RBI since you're such an avid baseball fan. Turn to me, Ryan, because it's not, <laughs> not Greenwood. Hashtag sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never got to play NHL 94. I didn't have Super Nintendo or Sega. Oh, NHL 94. That's great. I, I picked RBI, but that was a real close runner-up. Um, that was just such a great game. It was so much fun with the fighting, you know, too. It was, it was, it was good times. Um, all right. Well, enough old school video game talk. I just, I just saw that on Twitter and I thought that would be fun and kind of a, a, a fun thing to talk about before we got into our fantasy Joe's uh, moments of the week and then letdowns of the week. And of course, when we talk about our moments of the week, I, I mean, how can we have a moment without talking about this moment? 10 seconds to go, 24-23 Saints, Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, oh my God, oh my God! 30, no K, touchdown! Are you kidding me? It's a Minneapolis miracle! on Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings have it's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle. All right, guys. That's Paul Allen's call, radio call of the Vikings. Minnesota miracle. God, I, I've listened to that call now, guys, probably 20 times, and it just gets gets better every time. Uh, so, so, Will, I'm going to throw it to you. You're our, uh, you're our local, local Vikings fan. So what, <laughs> what, was your, uh, what was your Minnesota miracle moment of the week? I mean, besides that, I was at the bar for that game and literally uh, jumping up and down and high-fiving everybody within like a 30-foot range <laughs> of me and my buddy. Uh, we, had, we were hanging out. We ended up like getting, meeting some new Vikings friends there and stuff like that. But I think other than that, I really liked that the Jags beat the Steelers. Uh, one, it was fun that I, I, I took them as the, to beat the spread and they actually beat them. I love this upstart Jags team. They're super fun. I think it's, it's nice – I don't know. It, it's fun when a team like that, to me, beats a team that should easily, ha- you know, is more experienced, has better coaching, theoretically, now, I guess. <laughs> uh, and overall, so that was super fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you just go back to the Vikings every time. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, that, that Vikings moment, of course, is your moment of the week. But, yeah, I love that, too. I, I love seeing the Jags uh, uh, pull off that upset. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, Trey? What about you? What was your Minnesota miracle uh, moment of the week? So my Minnesota miracle moment of the week is um, actually participating in my first startup of the off season. And uh, it's a little early, um, but for a degenerate like myself, you think, um, you know, I, the opportunity presented itself. It's a, a, the, the, one of the co-commissioners of this league commissions, a league that I'm in and he kind of floated the idea out there. And I was like, nah, I don't really, need to add another league. And then I kind of got super curious. It's a 48 team league with uh, four copies of each player and they were going to do an auction. There's a little Debbie. So I actually inquired and I talked to Jason Silva, a friend of all of ours. 
and a guy that we play in, in several leagues with and, and ask if he would co-commission the team so that I had a little bit of help keeping up with the auction. And uh, man, it's just been a blast. I'll have to tell you, this is a public service announcement early on in the off season for all of you uh, fantasy players out there. Auction is the way to go. I mean, when you, if you're starting a league or if you're participating in the formation of a league, man, ditch the snake draft and go the auction route. It is so much more entertaining, so much more fun. You're not limited. You can build your team how you want. And uh, it, man, I am having a blast. The, The auction's still going on. I'll, I'll have to share my team once um, once we're done. But I think Jason and I have crushed it. Um, we've we've executed our plan to perfection. So it's been been a blast. Nice. That's totally awesome. Totally agree on auctions. You know, we were doing our our one, or the La, La Liga-esque league. And I was talking about auctions. I was like, I just think people need to experience them once. That's the thing. You need to get into one auction. Even if you do a redra- one redraft auction to understand exactly kind of how the auction flows. And you might not do well that year because you don't, quite understand exactly how the auction works, but go read articles on it. Auction drafts are a total degree. Auction drafts are, are, I think this should be the only draft startup way or like format. Yeah. Auctions are great. And if you think about it, if you're thinking, I'm not sure I want to try it. Just think about when you've drafted say in a, in a redraft league and you have like the 12th pick or you're picking on the turn and how frustrating that is. Um, You don't have to worry about that in auction league. You, you can lay out a plan and, and if you want to own, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Todd Gurley on your team, you can. There are consequences to that. But, yeah, that's the great thing about auctions. You you can build your team how you want to build it. Um, yeah, we love auctions. Love, love auctions. Yeah, uh, and I was even thinking, uh, just a quick aside, yeah. I was even thinking, we've talked about wanting to do, you know, some more mocks throughout the offseason. I was thinking it might be fun to do a mock auction. One of our, one of our um, instead of doing a mock draft, um, because I think the cool thing about that is, it helps you identify, like in this last auction, Todd Gurley went 101, with a, with, or last draft. With an auction, you get to see by how much more, if Todd Gurley is the most expensive player, how much more did people spend on Todd? You know what I'm saying? So there's something to think about. Yeah, I love that idea. Uh, and, and you don't hear that a lot on Dynasty Podcasts because that's probably hard to translate into a podcast. But you know what? If any podcast is up to it, it's the Fantasy Joes. Um, we'll see how it goes. There probably is a reason other podcasts don't do it, but <laughs> we'll give it a well, shot. auctions are hard to do is because you have to have live people for the most part. So like computer generated auction mocks or them being part of it ruins it. So yeah. to get you know, like 12, 12 or so people together to sit down for a couple hours and do a mock uh, auction. But I'm actually pretty confident that I think we could do it, guys. I'm in. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Probably won't be live. That would be a long show too. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a great idea for a show. Um, quickly, my I guess my Minnesota Miracle moment of the week is just the just the the fun just overall the fun weekend that was um, th- this past week in the NFL. We had so many uh, close games. You know, all the games you know came seemed to come down to to the very end. Um, so it was uh, it was a well other than that New England game, right? Um, so it was a fun weekend of football and, and the upset was nice. I, I also like seeing Jacksonville as, as I said, beat, uh, beat Pittsburgh. Um, so let's, but let's get into our letdowns. Um, I'm calling this our Saturday evening NFL primetime time letdown of the week because of that New England game, that New England, Tennessee game. I, I think I said it last week. I was like, ah, it's too bad. This is the Saturday night game. Uh, because Tennessee just couldn't, you know, couldn't hang with uh, the, the the Patriots, which was unfortunate. It just wasn't a very good 
game to watch compared to those other three games. So, Will, what about you? What was your letdown, your Saturday prime time letdown of the week? Well, the first big letdown of the week was getting home from that Vikings game. And uh, my, my wife was actually taking out our dog at the same time. And I get out of the lift and I, gra- I touched my coat pockets and there's no keys. So, uh, you know, nice, old, responsible, mature Will jumping down, up and down at the bar. His keys fell out of his pocket into the air and onto the ground. And one of our uh, newfound friends that we, you know, I mean, barely newfound friends, I think yelled something as we were leaving the bar. And I think it was about my keys. Uh, so I did end up getting them back the next day, but that was definitely like a little bit of a stressful moment just because like the key fob, the car key, probably been like 300 bucks to get all new keys just would have been such a pain. So definitely just not, not the brightest move. Uh, they're all, they're going to go in, in the pants back from now on. So that's a lot safer. Uh, the other part is I'm really sick. I'm really, really sick of hearing about Le'Veon Bell and people hating on him for not wanting to take the franchise tag in the future. Uh, I totally get where he's coming from as far as he, the amount of touches he carries per year and what he does for that team or what he would do for any team is incredible. And for him not to have any long-term security, like it's so this playoff game, let's say fourth quarter, or they're going to overtime for the Jags in the first game, he tears his ACL or tears his patellar And now he has to go through this extensive rehab process and ruins his long-term value. Running backs have a short enough life in the NFL. He understands that. He understands what his role is. He knows how many touches he's getting. He's not dumb. And when people say, oh, he's only going to do $40 million, it's like, yeah, because he wants like 20 to 20, you know, 30 million guaranteed so that he can provide for his family long-term with what, you know, with what he can do. Because again, the running back lifespan just isn't that long with his touches. He's basically guaranteed not to be. Yeah. You know, one of my pet peeves, I love that will is when people complain about the salaries of professional athletes or them wanting more, um, you know, we do that in our own lives, right? And if you're not doing it in your job, you should be, you should be, you know, advocating for yourself and negotiating for the highest salary. And these guys are just doing the same thing. Yes. They're playing a game. Yes. We all love to play football for a living. Sure. But there are only a finite number of people that can be an elite running back in this league, like Le'Veon Bell. There are a finite number of people that can be an NFL quarterback. And, you know, I, I had an economics class in, in college, and one of the, the things that we covered was, you know, what are these players overpaid? And, the, and basically the conclusion is they're not. I mean, they're, you can make the argument they're underpaid for the amount of revenue they bring into those teams. So I, I, I love that take, and, and I completely agree. I mean, let, let, let the guy advocate for himself and, and, and make money. Um, you know, I'd love, I'd, love, I'd love to see him retire for a year, not sign the franchise tag, and then go to the Patriots for like a nice value the next year. <laughs> right. So, so mean. But I mean, I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, so, Trey, what, what about you? you? You let down the, the Saturday primetime letdown of the week. Well, and I think we might have even talked about this last week on our podcast. Um, as uh, many of you guys know, uh, Ryan and I are participating in the uh, annual Scott Fish Playoff League on um, MFL. And uh, I got off to a hot start. I was 17th after week one. And I was getting some congratulations. And I was like, listen, you know, there's uh, four weeks of this thing. And sure enough, last <laughs> week, the team that I picked, uh, thank you, Zach Ertz and Derek Henry, uh, laid a colossal egg <laughs> and um, you know it just hurts because Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell those I never even got to use them in the playoffs because I was saving them quote-unquote for uh, the conference championship so I think I'm outside the top 100 now I'm not giving up still hope but uh, my 
hopes of repeating in the money like I did last year. Took a little bit of a hit. Um, but, you know, I'm not giving up. Yeah, I, I feel you, Trey. I, I gave you some bad advice, too. I told you. I suggested Mariota. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry for that if you, if you started him. No, that was a decent. I, I actually ended up going with – I forget who I was – I think I was going to start Matt Ryan instead. And so I think Mariota actually um, scored more points. Oh, um, yeah. But he didn't, you know, do anything incredible. And there were, you know, there were a lot of guys who started Leonard Fournette and, you know, he went off with with the three touchdowns. And so there were some major, major performances last week. And I think that was my my team didn't do as terrible um, compared to how I did the first week. It was it was in light of. I think my team scored 100 points and the the week before I'd scored 134 but the the guys at the top in week 2 were like in the 170s just just blowing up. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know, I even checked the standings cuz I know I'm way behind. I had like 100 points too and 100 points <laughs> the first week. So I'll be starting like Trey Burton and Nelson Aguilar as contrarian plays to try to get me back in it, I guess. Um so guys, here's quick, my a quick a quick quick in there though too is how much did you love Antonio Brown in that game? I think he, he might. He, he's just also quickly becoming one of my favorite players just to watch. Yeah, I I love him. I was trying to negotiate with somebody to to trade for him in a in a league, and he's like, "Oh, Antonio Brown's looking pretty good right now." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he is. Um, so letdown is the recency bias of the week. <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Because because my uh, my Saturday prime time letdown of the week is this. So it, it's it's Sunday night. And it's, uh, you know, I, I help get my kids to bed for bedtime. So I'm getting my older son to bed. And, you know, it's, it's right before the fourth quarter is about to start, that, that Viking Saints game. So, I, you know, I lay there and I'm like, I can't fall asleep. I don't want to miss the fourth quarter. And I fell asleep. And I woke up. It was about a half hour to the game had ended. And I'm like, I wonder what happened in that game. And I look at my phone and I'm like, what, what's, what's this? This is a crazy ending. You know, I'm just looking at the stats and I watch the highlights. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I missed like the – the 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 ending of the year in the NFL. So that was my uh, my big letdown, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Including that catch by Kamara, that was so nasty. Oh. There were great, you know, that catch by Willie Sneed, you know, that fourth down. It was there was a lot of it was a great fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I've seen it in in highlights and replays, of course. But uh, but anyway, oh well, you, you you win some, you lose some. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. So. You guys ready to get back into our uh, our mock draft part two? Well, my last will be is uh, Ryan. That game didn't even end that late, so I'm, I'm that's it. That's all I'm gonna say. It was like it was early bedtime. <laughs> Maybe you drink too many too warm glasses of milk. Just call it a night. <laughs> all right, let, really let, tip on here. Come on. At least you didn't sleep. At least you didn't sleep through the first uh, you know fifteen minutes of the first recorded episode of your podcast. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that's correct. I didn't. I, I pulled. I, yeah, I pulled the tray. Sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> Sleeping with. Yeah. The fishes. Fantasy Jones Dynasty Superflex Startup Mock Draft. All right, guys. And with that, let's move into the um, the the Fantasy Joes way too early 2018 uh, Dynasty Startup Superflex Mock Draft. I think that was a mouthful to say. So, so what we did on the last episode was we reviewed rounds one through four. And as you might recall, we went out and found nine of our closest friends and league mates that we respect a lot. 
that we thought it would be fun to do a mock draft with. And we recruited him to do this with us. And so the three of us and, and nine other guys, we went through and did a mock draft. And, uh, and we're about to get into round number five. So if you haven't listened to part one, that was our last episode, go back and listen to part one first. Um, but we are going to get into this, uh, this fifth round here. And uh, any, any thoughts before, before we start? Trey, you want to talk about the scoring format again? Basically, this is half-point PPR. Uh, what is it? You, is it you start two, two wide receivers, two running backs, two flex? Is that correct? Yep. And then super flex. So obviously the, the quarterback has a little bit of uh, increased value as well. Su- yeah. Super flex. That's an, that's the an important thing to say. So we're going to get into it. Once again, you should go back and listen um, to, to the first four rounds. So at the top of the fifth round, um, these were the first six picks. So with the 501, you had Zach Ertz go off the board. Then you had T.Y. Hilton at the 502. Stefan Diggs, Sammy Watkins, Adam Thielen, and Des Bryant at the 506. So the top of the fifth round, you had Zach Ertz, T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs, Sammy Watkins, Adam Thielen, and Des Bryant. Guys, any initial thoughts there? Um, anything that sticks out in your mind? So this is the top of the fifth round. And as we talked about the last time, this is where the draft kind of gets interesting. Because with those first four rounds, most of these teams have really good cores. So now this is where the draft really gets interesting. This is where you really make or break your team. Yeah, I, there was a huge um, obvious pick here for me as far as the best pick of this round and kind of a, a surprise for me. And it's a guy that if you were to go back 12 months and look at where he was being taken in um, these drafts, instead of going at, you know, pick 502, he was a guy that was likely not making it to 302. He's probably being snatched up in the middle of the second round because he had just led the NFL in receiving yards, and that's T.Y. Hilton. And I think that this offseason, you know, I think probably right now is a great time to buy T.Y. Hilton. I think that the news of Andrew Luck potentially regaining his health and the um, even maybe more importantly, the news of a potential uh, Josh McDaniels landing in Indianapolis. I think that T.Y. Hilton is being undervalued. And I think that uh, if, if, if those things do happen and Luck's healthy and, and McDaniels is there, that offense is going to be humming. So I really love the pick at the beginning of the fifth round to get a guy like T.Y. Hilton, who's got top five upside. I know he's what, 28, 29 years old, um, but he's the kind of receiver, I think much like Antonio Brown, in that he can uh, probably be productive into his, you know, age 32, 33, maybe even 34 season. So I like that pick a lot. Yeah, Mike Mathis, who, who uh, the owner that drafted him here, he, he said in his notes, he's a sneaky 28 years old at the beginning of next year. So It's actually November is his birthday. I looked it up. So he'll turn 29 during the season. Oh, okay. uh, because, uh, I looked on player profiler and it said 28.2. And so I was like, oh, I wonder what that actually means here. <laughs> it just means two months, I guess. Uh, and so the one thing I want to note is last, you got to keep in mind, so Jacoby's percent was traded for on September 3rd of last year. Week one was September 10th. So you have a week before the game. He didn't even start the first game. You had the Scott Tolzien project happening. And he, yeah, leading the uh, receiving yards. I think that in, in his system, getting a new coach, a coach that just seems to care a little bit more, but kind of always seems so – uh, like disjointed from the team the whole time. 
And having that, yeah, having somebody be in the system the whole time through preseason, not to say the quarterback can't get hurt, but you basically don't rely on that ever. So you're going to have less tight end heavy. You're going to have teams that can't just rely on the quarterback making their first read, which is probably often T.Y. Hilton this year. So they're like, all we need to do is cover T.Y. Hilton for like two and a half seconds. And then he'll either jump off the tight end or run. Or, you know, they're going to have to change up what they're doing. So at the end of the day, T.Y. Hilton going to 502, I thought was a great, 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 great pick. Yeah, you guys are kind of talking me into it. I, I had the uh, 501 where I took Zach Ertz, and I needed a wide receiver. So I think the thing that scared me off, and I think that's why this is a good exercise to do, because you can go back and be honest with yourself and, and admit when you make mistakes. I, I think the thing that does scare me about T.Y. Hilton is just the Andrew Luck factor, and that's that's a big concern for me. Um, uh, but, but but that does make T.Y. Hilton a value, and you're never going to get him uh, – I shouldn't say – you're never going to get him cheaper now because he is, he will be 29 years old, but he is certainly a tremendous value. He's got at least two or three more good years in him at the, at the very least, I think. And, um, Angelo comes back and he's healthy. You have yourself a heck of a deal here at the, at the five Oh two number 50 overall in this draft. So he's his top five wide receiver ability in him easily. Um, the next thing, so I did highlight on there too, though. Not, not, it wasn't just hating on you, Ryan. I did like the Zach Hurts pick quite a bit. He is in that tier of tight ends. I feel like it's him, Gronk, and Kelsey are on their a league of their own, basically. And, and that's including all the rookies. I still think these three, du- these three dudes, uh, they are clearly the top three in my mind. And once you go beyond them, you're still going to have bigger up and down games. Uh, Ertz, as long as he can stay away from concussions, those things always scare me quite a bit. And I feel like every time you look over your shoulder, uh, he's, he's, he's got another concussion. I feel bad for the guy. But I actually really liked the Zach Ertz pitch, too. I think that was a great pick. Yeah, that's the thing with tight ends. Like, all the elite tight ends, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're an elite tight end or a rookie or whatever. They're, they, tight ends just get injured. It's just the very nature of the position, right? So, uh, no, I appreciate that. And that was my thinking there, I think. It was that he was the end of that, you know, elite tight end tier. Uh, you could argue Evan Ingram, who's going to be picked here shortly. Um, you could throw him into that. And, and, and I think you can make the argument, too, that the tight end class, you know, that came in, you're, you're going to see more depth in the position. But yeah, I just, I just, you know, with that Philly offense and uh, wins to Ertz, I could see that connection happening for a long time. So, uh, other thoughts? So we've got some uh, some really interesting wide receivers that went here too, like Diggs and Watkins and Thielen and Des Bryant at the at the five oh six. You know, Des Bryant's one of those guys that people are have really soured on, and rightfully so. But then I've heard a, a couple of people think, oh, maybe he's he's gotten to the point where he's been talked down so much that he's a good value. He's got you want to go out and buy. So any thoughts on these wide receivers? I mean, if Diggs, if we do this draft this week, does Diggs go around higher because of, of recency bias, guys? I bet, in all honesty. He wasn't top of mind in this game. He didn't have a – I mean, they hadn't, I mean, guess they hadn't played yet. But I do feel like – I saw Diggs go in the fourth round last year. And, I feel, I feel, you know, I know he got hurt this year, but I feel like his talent really, really showed. They were talking – they are comparing him to Amari Cooper early in the season – you know, and who's better. So I think the Diggs pick, it was, I guess it was mine. <laughs> it's funny because I wrote that. I wrote that I liked the 503 before realizing that it was my pick again. So uh, whoever picked that is a genius and potentially should be on a podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I do like the, the Diggs pick there too. I think that's another great pick here um, in, in this in this section. Trey, other thoughts before we move on? Yeah, real quick. I loved the Diggs pick. I, you guys know I'm a big fan of Diggs. I was uh, buying him like crazy last offseason and predicted a breakout this year. 
Diggs' issue's always been his health. He he started the season on fire, and then he got hurt. And while he was hurt, uh, Case Keenum became the quarterback of the Vikings and developed a connection with Thielen that he just never let go of. But if you look these games, like last week in the playoffs, I mean, Diggs was dominated the receptions and the targets. And, you know, I think that naturally he is going to become, even though Thielen was this year, I think that, you know, Thielen is going to end up being over drafted and over purchased this off season. And Diggs maybe just since Diggs was truly the two, the wide receiver two on that team, I think, this offseason might be another opportunity to buy digs. I really like that pick. Um, and then for me, the Des Bryant picks, probably the one I like the least. There's just a, a few guys right there, you know, after him, Evan Ingram, who I think has the potential to be a, you know, tight end one or two here in the next couple of years. Um, we talked about him last offseason as, I mean, you know, the guy compares to Odell Beckham as far as his measurables. And, and you know, you look at um, player profiler and the guy just isn't an, an an athletic freak at the tight end position. He's a, a mismatch um, in, for defenses. So um, I, I would have loved that pick. Um, I just, I'm kind of off Des Bryant. Um, I think that, uh, you know, to, to take him in the top 60 picks of a startup, you know, he, he with his age and questionable production, I'm just not sure that uh, I would have invested that pick in, in Des Bryant. Yeah, and it goes to show you too the um, the the value of name recognition and how people value players differently. So don't forget that if if you have someone in your roster you really don't like and and you think they're a sell, there's there might be a buyer out there because you know because I think the consensus is we don't necessarily like that pick there. Um, although I have some hope for Des, I think the hate is getting pretty strong on Des. I don't think he's compl- that's completely worth his player. He's he's not the elite wide receiver he once was, but. You know, remember that you you can always go out and sell somebody based on name recognition. So don't don't think that you're you're stuck with an asset because um, oh they're on the decline. You can, you can still get some value from them. The, the, and this proves it. I'm so I'm trying to buy Des in, in a couple of dynasty leagues just because I feel like his value at this point, if he goes lower than what he is right now, and you end up losing, let's say like a second round rookie startup pick for Des, I feel like the risk reward to me is easily there. So this is a little early in the draft for him, I think, to go. But I just don't – I get where this pick comes from. And he still – he could have two seasons of like wide receiver one production left easily. Uh, granted, he could also have, you know, an injury or a contract situation and just go to a worse team also very easily. So it's just a little – it's a, you know, uh, pretty, pretty high risk and, like, decent reward. So it's not – it doesn't have the level that I would take right there. So the bottom half of the fifth round, moving on, at the 507, you've got Evan Ingram off the board. 508, Drew Brees. Remember, this is a super flex. 509, Carlos Hyde. The 510, Mark Ingram. The 511, LaShawn McCoy. And the 512, Corey Davis. So starting with the 507, you've got Evan Ingram, Drew Brees, Carlos Hyde, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy, and Corey Davis. Guys, what what stands out here um, late in the fifth round? Uh, you know, we're, we've got several running backs here, an older QB and Drew Brees. Looks like he's coming back. And then, of course, the standout rookie, tight end Evan Ingram. And then Corey Davis finally showing up, right? Yeah. I'll start, I'll start off. I, so 507 Evan Ingram, my general opinion of Evan Ingram is, and I'll probably will not – I mean, I don't – I have him on like one – 
dynasty team, but any dynasty startups I do this year, I can almost guarantee I'll end up without Evan Ingram. I do not trust his production this year whatsoever. Okay. Um, you want to give any more insight into that? I, I mean, he's going to, his situation is going to change, obviously. Um, I don't know that we, I mean, there's some question. obviously there's a, a lot of questions in New York. Um, I don't think we know who's going to be the coach. Maybe is it Pat Schumer is the latest rumor, but we don't know that. Um, but you care to elaborate on that? Well, yeah. So it's mostly is is kind of the, he had. I mean, he had a good year. He went for 722 yards and six touchdowns receiving with 115 targets, which is huge. But that team, it's not the team that the Giants are going to be moving forward. And I really don't believe that. And it's hard to speculate those things. I know, and I'm not an NFL GM and can guess that. But he had spotty production up and down throughout the whole season anyway. You know, after you're picking him up, he still put up a few games that were just, just terrible. Uh, and I worry about if, if a new coach comes in and wants him to, what if they want him to block more? Or, you know, he tries to play slot receiver and turns out he actually can't, he, you know, he has good speed but not great agility and can't burn a linebacker off the line like, he, like they thought he could. Uh, and I just, I don't know. In general, I, I like Evan Ingram quite a bit. I just think here, uh, to me, I, I would not, I would, I would go, I would look elsewhere for a safer, more established player. All right. Fair enough. Trey thoughts. Yeah, I think, well, I don't, I I think that, you know, I've spoken pretty highly of everything in Ingram in the past. He's my tight end three. I would take him above Zach Ertz. And I know that seems crazy, but I anticipate a little bit of regression. I think Carson Wentz this season had some uh, just ridiculous efficiency that will be very challenging for him to repeat. And I think Evan Ingram's athleticism, I mean, he, he ultimately is a wide receiver. I think that anybody that comes into New York is going to take one look at that roster and decide that there's Odell Beckham as the number one target and Evan Ingram is the number two. I, I think what, what sometimes gets lost is one, this is his rookie season. And the, as we all know, the, the production that rookie tight ends put up is uh, relatively poor compared to some of the other positions. Um, obviously, running backs usually – contribute the most. Um, but the other thing is there was a good part of the season where he was the number one target for this offense. So I think that uh, when you bring Odell Beckham back and the defenses have to account for Odell Beckham primarily, I think it's going to open things up a lot for Evan Ingram over the middle. And I think that he has the opportunity. I think this time next year, he could be taken in the second or third round because Gronk and Kelsey will each be a year older. Um, I think, you know, there's some concerns with both of them with injuries and concussions with Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey just, I love Kelsey, but he plays so violently. Like I have some concerns that, that concussions and, and injuries could be an issue for him moving forward. So I, I, you know, I, I understand, Will, the reason for concern, there was, was some inconsistency, but the athleticism, like when you watch his tape, when you watch what he did at Ole Miss and when you watch what he's done in the NFL, um, you know, the athletic, he's a mismatch that, that, with his size and agility and speed, he um, is going to be a challenge for cornerbacks. He's going to be a challenge for safeties and, and linebackers. He, he really is just a, a great mix. So um, I, I like that pick. I, my favorite pick probably was Corey Davis. And, and, and I, you know, I think it's well-documented my um, love and affection for Corey Davis and belief in him. He had a very disappointing rookie season, but that just provides a great opportunity to buy. I mean, uh, you know, wide receivers, he struggled a little bit with injury. And um, I think that offense is going to get a changeover with Mike Malarkey leaving town. I think the exotic smash mouth 
has uh, left town with Mike Malarkey. I think the team will still be run base, but I, I really think I still I believe in his talent and to get him here at the end of the fifth round. I mean, he was going 25 spots earlier than this last offseason. And um, so I, I love that pick here. Yeah. And I wonder if that, you know, recency bias with that, you know, the, his play against the Patriots and that catch doesn't, you know, rekindle his value a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that's a tremendous um, pickup. I, you know, and I think of these six players, I, you know, I don't mind. I'm, I guess I'm in between you guys with Evan Ingram. He's probably my, my tight end four. Um, so I, I think the pick is good. I don't know that I would have made the same pick, but I, I think he's, he's definitely a, a guy that's, that's, you know, worthy of that spot. I would have taken Corey Davis though in, in that spot. Cause I, I also am enamored with Corey Davis and I think better times are ahead. And the other thing about think, tight ends. Think, oh, go, go, no, go ahead. Well, I was, I was I think five twelve with Corey Davis was the steal of this round. Uh, and the thing with everything about says agility, agility and that this fall, I mean, he, every metric he he's like 90th plus percentile basically when it comes to athleticism or like 80, you know, I think 84th is his lowest. Uh, he is quite the athlete. My, my, my question is, I don't feel like his rookie year is a great example of a rookie year in a regular team. The giant, that giant team was so strange. And so I just have a, for me, I guess my, 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 uh, my mental bias against it, because I don't think, again, like, I don't think this pick was horrible by any means. Like I'm not saying, Oh, this is the worst pick ever. I just wanted to express my, like, I guess my feelings that Everton group to me is more, he's more risk than what we're uh, giving him at the moment. All right. Well, that, that's good talk. I, I think we are, are we ready to move on? Do we want to talk about any of these other guys like the, the running backs or Drew Brees here? I mean, I think Drew Brees going here is probably a pretty good value, you know, in the fifth round, he's going to play at least another year. We, we suspect he says he's going back to, to the saints. Um, any thoughts on Hyde, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy? I think they're all great discussion points. So, you know, Hyde's finally finishing out his rookie contract and potentially could go somewhere else. If he stays with San Francisco, this is a steal. Uh, it potentially one of the steals of the draft, but that's just, I think I feel like the whole you know murmurs and trying to read the tea leaves is that he's not going to be there. Uh, so again, I, I don't mind I don't mind Hyde at all. I actually really like Hyde as a player, but he he has had a little bit of an injury history in the NFL. But you can't they're not like I don't know. He, he has he has a really violent running style, but he's a really good pass catcher and a really good runner. So how can you really hate Carlos Hyde and Mark Ingram? Does, and I didn't look it up, and, and I regret it. Did he finish as an all-pro? Does anybody know him? No, he did not. He didn't. He did not. Okay, so then he is still under contract for the Saints next year, so they can still keep him if they want. That's yep. right. Uh, and in, in that sense, I mean, if you could – because if he stays with the Saints, does anybody not see him being an RB1 next year? And in the fifth round for one year of RB1, that's all right. It's totally, it's totally, I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, yeah, we I talked about he, it all, last offseason. I mean, he was an RB1 the season before – Last offseason, he was, you know, all these question marks, people. I mean, you, we know, you know, there, there was a, a, a league where we coned together and, and we drafted him super late because everybody was just doubting him. And I think that Mark Ingram is just one of those guys that is just perennially, perennially undervalued. And I do believe that he probably only has one more year, but I think that there's been people that, that said that last offseason. And so um, I think that – the offense in New Orleans worked really, really well this year, splitting the touches between Ingram and Kamara and keeping Kamara fresh, giving him a limited amount of touches and letting him do something with him, but allowing Mark Ingram to continue to be the workhorse in the um, passing downs and, and then still catching the ball a little bit. Uh, I mean, his production was incredible this year. And in, in half PPR, I think 
Um, I like all those picks, really. McCoy's probably the one I would fade um, over the other two. I'm a big believer in Hyde. I think that whether he returns to San Francisco or goes, I think that he will be, uh, other than Le'Veon Bell, one of the top targets and much more attainable for many teams. So I think that um, Carlos Hyde could find himself in a really good spot uh, for a team looking to add a running back. He actually, uh, one of the things I think that got missed a little bit, his production kind of went down in the end of the, you know, we talked last year about Carlos Hyde and his pass catching. And he, he had, I think over 50 catches this past year, his best season, I think by a good bit in the NFL, as far as catching passes. Um, but his pass catching went way down uh, once Jimmy Garoppolo took over as the uh, quarterback of that offense. So I'm, I'm pretty interested. Hyde's a guy I'm buying right now. Um, I, I think this was a good pick of, of Hyde. And um, uh, probably for me, McCoy is the pick that I like the least in, the, in this section. All right, guys, let's move on to the top of the sixth round. And at the 601, uh, you got Kenyon Drake, Drake coming off the board. Excuse me. The 602, Doug Baldwin. 603, Patrick Mahomes. 604, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, the 605, Devin Funchess. And the 606, Jay Ajayi. Um, so that would be at the top of the sixth round. You got Drake, Doug Baldwin, Mahomes, Alshon, Devin Funchess, and Jay Ajayi. So, can I'll ask you guys this? You know, Kenyon Drake at the top of the sixth round. Would you have taken Drake over um, any of those other three running backs we were just talking about, over Carlos Hyde, Mark Ingram, or Lashawn McCoy? What do you, what do you guys think is going to happen with with Kenyon Drake? Man, I like Kenyon Drake a lot, and I um, think that he has the capability to be a three down running back. Um, I think it it all you know, running back in the NFL a lot of times is all about opportunity. And this past season, when Kenyon Drake got the opportunity with Damian Williams out of the picture and Kenyon Drake got the work, he really produced. So <clears throat> if that earned him a, a shot at being the uh, number one running back for the Dolphins going into next season, um, I, I think that he's going to have some value. Th- that This might be a little early for him to go uh, for my liking. He is a guy that I do like, but you know, I, I feel like that there are some other uh, picks on the board here that maybe are a little safer at this point of the draft. Um, but I, I, he's a guy that I like. I wish I owned more shares of, of Kenyon Drake, but this offseason is probably going to be a pretty tough time to try and buy him because his value, I think, is is pretty high as, as evidenced by this, you know, top of the first pick here. Or top of the sixth, I meant. Right, right. Will, um, thoughts on Drake or any of these other guys that have gone here? I mean, yeah, uh, Drake's, I mean, upside – is through the roof, but I, I just I, I, I just, I came up earlier in the season on a podcast talking about like the Dolphins organization. Do you really, I do, and 601 is fine. Like this isn't super high risk, but it is a pretty high, I mean, it's, oh, I guess it's decently high value pick. I just don't trust the Dolphins organization. Uh, what are they going to, what are they going to do at quarterback? Is Tannehill going to come back? Does that change what Kenny Drake is? Do they draft a running back? I can totally see them jumping on the bandwagon and drafting a, a running back really high. I think that's going to fix everything. So, uh, I, guess, I don't think I'm as high on Kenyon Drake as the, the general consensus. But I, I, overall, what didn't, it didn't stick out as a lover or hate for me on that one. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I probably, just to answer my own question, I probably would have taken Drake over LaShawn McCoy. 
Um, but Ingram and Hyde, I think I would have taken ahead of them. Um, other, other guys here, you know, um, I think Doug Baldwin is, is interesting at the 602 and, and, and Pat Mahomes and their quarterback 603. I, I think my, I like Pat Mahomes. We, I think we've talked about Pat Mahomes a lot on the show. Um, and he's not a for sure thing, but if, but if he, you know, takes the, the reins there in Kansas city and, and can do something with that offense, he could be a real exciting player next year and beyond. Yeah, a 603 pick in a super flex startup for who could be at least they're going to give him some really good run and not, not for just a year, even if he struggles his rookie year. Uh, I think the Mahomes pick was, was really good. I was eyeing that when it was coming back, but I'd pick up the other end of the draft. So I thought, I thought I was kind of shocked he went this late because there was, when we were doing this too, there's a little bit of Mahomes hype going around. Uh, from the slip this far, I thought that was, I mean, I thought that was a great pick. Yeah, I, and I think that this is. Um, I, I think it was, was it Jake Patterson that made, made this this pick, um, and he put, put in the comments. Perfect example of why you need to read the draft board. New build teams on the turn at QB, so I could wait to grab one on my second pick. Mahomes could be a star, and having him with Tyreek is just fun as an owner. So I, I think that's a that's a, a good lesson and, and something to remember. It, it is an important point. You've got to read the draft board and, and decide. Okay you know, what are these guys on the turn going to take before me? And if, I mean, that's probably common sense. Probably most of our listeners know that, but it, it can be easy to forget that when you're in a draft and you've got a lot of other things going on. Except for when we become the auction Joes. <laughs> any, any other thoughts? Any of these guys that we want to talk about? Um, I, I think the rest of these picks are probably fine. Uh, you know, Jay Ajayi is a guy I really don't like. Um, I guess my opinion, like I've been listening to some podcasts with Ryan McDowell, uh, lately and, and he se- seems like his name has come up on a few of them and I, and I kind of have the same thing, opinion as Ryan McDowell I just don't like him for all kinds of reasons um, you know uh, his his injury history and and in Philadelphia the Eagles they have a lot of running backs there, there's so many and, and they like to um, you know kind of distribute the ball maybe maybe he will emerge and be this great you know running back asset I just don't I don't like you know I don't particularly like him that said he could be an amazing value at the 606 just because I have this maybe this personal bias against him. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because I've, that's been me for the last, you know, 18 months on JGI since his, uh, you know, quote unquote, bursting onto the scene breakout last year where he, you know, racked up these 200 yard games in a row. Um, and then this year just disappointed and was traded to Philadelphia. And, and I don't know how much of you, the Eagles you guys have watched, but, I've watched a couple of their games, including this playoff game last week, and Jay Ajayi looked like an incredible running back. And the thing to me, uh, he's turning into a guy that I've started to kind of acquire here and there this offseason in in areas where he's not really expensive, especially these half PPR leagues where having running back depth can be really big. Because Jay Ajayi is the kind of guy to me that could be a top six or eight running back next year. I know that sounds crazy. But that offensive line that he plays behind there in Philadelphia with Wentz at quarterback and the weapons they have in the passing game uh, that, you know, teams aren't going to be able to stack the box. And I've liked what I've seen out of him. Not just, I mean, I, I feel like there was a couple drives the other night where Jay Jai touched the ball six or seven times and was just picking up six and eight yards at a time, whether it was running or catching the ball. He looked really good. He's a first round talent as far as the NFL draft is concerned. Um, very well documented slip because of some concerns over his knee. Um, but I, I'm very interested. He's a guy that I'll be watching this off season and, and, and 
in a situation where he presents to to be um, being a little undervalued, I, I'd be willing to buy. And I don't think the Eagles are going to get rid of him. He's super cheap next year again. He's still yeah. under his rookie contract. So and I think they'll get rid of Blunt. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Blunt's gone. Which is going to buy him a lot of goal line carries. I don't think he's had many many goal line carries at all this yeah. year. Yeah, really. What about? And I think Corey Clement's going to take a lot of passing down work or something from him. I think Corey Clement has looked really good this year uh, from the the action that I've seen from him. Uh, kind of shockingly good. So I think that'll be interesting. But I think JJ is the better talent overall, quite clearly. Well, so I think people have to remember. You know, for a six-round pick for a running back that could be, you know, uh, an RB1 easily, and you get one year to find out, that's a decent value. Yeah, and I, I think what people sometimes tend to forget is when you're in a prolific offense, uh, you know, prolific offenses can support two running backs. Look at the Falcons last year and the Saints this year. Um, I mean, you know, I think sometimes it's even better for if, if a Jai were to get 62% of the work and Clement 38 or, you know, 30 and someone else get 8%. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, you know, 60 to 65% is usually right around the league um, leaders in uh, touches for a team at running back. You've of course got, you know, your Le'Veon Bells and guys that, you know, run higher than that. But um, I think that sometimes when people are afraid of a third down back taking some touches away, it, it creates maybe even more of a buy window. So. Be interesting to watch for sure. All right, guys, great discussion. Let's move on though. We we got um, you know some more rounds to finish. We're not even through the sixth round yet. So six oh seven comments too. Okay, yeah. let's go. Let's go. <laughs> six oh seven Golden Tate. Six oh eight Cooper Cup. The six oh nine uh, Devonte Parker. Six ten Philip Rivers. The six eleven Hunter Henry and the six twelve Robert Woods. So you've got. At the middle of the six, starting the six oh seven, you've got Tate, Cooper Cup, Devontae Parker, Philip Rivers, Hunter Henry, and Robert Woods. Guys, what what do you think? Um, and anything stand out here at the end of the sixth? What what's the be- what's the best pick of this bunch? I think for me, the best pick here probably is the Robert Woods pick. And, and you know, he, he's a guy that we've talked about on a previous show. And, and as soon as I took Devontae Parker and uh, saw Robert Woods was still on the board, I, I kind of just winced because I was like, I mean, Devontae Parker is a guy that I still believe in. And it's, it's, it's growing harder and harder to continue to have faith. The talent is just immense. I mean, I think his uh, NFL comp on player profiler is AJ Green. Um, he was taken, I think, as the 14th pick of the first round. Just tons of potential that's just failing to be realized. Um, I do find it interesting if Miami is really willing to let Landry walk. They really must have some level of belief in uh, Devontae Parker becoming a wide receiver one for their team. So I, I'm interested. I still think he's a guy I would buy this offseason if there are people that are giving up on him. But as soon as I made that pick, I, I kind of regretted it. So I, I, I still like Devontae Parker in this range um, just for his upside. But the, the Robert Woods pick at the end of the sixth round for me is is fantastic. I mean, the guy is uh, – I think he's only 26 years old and um, just never really fully blossomed in Buffalo and uh, is part of one of the most exciting offenses in the NFL. So loved it. So, Will, what about you? Any other guys you want to want to talk about? Yeah, we've talked about Robert Woods a lot. Uh, Hunter Henry is an interesting guy because, um, you know, he's a guy that could be really good value here at the at the six eleven. I, I think that 
he, I think he was kind of a guy that I thought was a sell candidate coming into this year, at least like temporarily, but I think that he's going to be on the upswing here. I, I think he's going to have a, a good year and a good career. I like, I like his talent. Um, other thoughts, Will, what about you? Any other guys you want to mention here? Or any, any well, points you want to make? And I made all my notes based on the, just looking at the draft and not looking at who was drafting who. And my least favorite trade was yours at Devontae Parker. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't have a lot of faith in him anymore. And again, it's it, the Dolphins, man. I, it, Landry just recently said that he feels disrespected by the offers and could be gone. But like, what do you do when you have a, a guy who takes away some attention and can get those underneath passes? I don't think Parker's ever going to be a slot receiver. Uh, so I, I do have my concerns about him. I really, I did like Robert Woods. I shocked Cooper Cup went before Robert Woods. Just, just because Robert Woods was, I looked at, I was looking at the points per game, week one, one through 16, half point PPR. Uh, I think Woods was like 17th or 16th overall. And that Rams team is, you don't, I don't think they're going to get worse next year. They might not be as prolific as they were, but this will be pretty decent. I think Woods fits uh, what they're doing better. And if they, they franchise Watkins, unless he completely blows up, Woods could be the wide receiver one in that offense moving forward. He, he, I think he showed he could do it enough this year for it to matter. So I really like that pick as well. Uh, and the, I thought Golden Tate was just good value. He, I mean, he's, he's a very safe pick. Uh, again, with their coaching changes, I don't think their offense is going to get any worse than what it was this year. So three, let's say you get three years out of Golden Tate of you know 80-plus receptions and 1,000 yards. That's a really safe, nice pick at, at, that, at that range. Yeah, I, I was going to mention something of the Golden Tate, not to let it pass. It's a nice, safe, solid pick, a uh, r- really good pick. Uh, let's move on to the 701. The 701, um, I took Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the 702, Josh Dotson. The 703, Duke Johnson. 704, Aaron Jones. 705, Tevin Coleman. And then the 706, Nelson Aguilar. So that's at the top of the seventh. Trubisky, Dotson, Duke Johnson, Aaron Jones, Tevin Coleman, and then Nelson Aguilar. So... Guys, what, what, what do we think about the, the start of the seventh round? Um, uh, that was a great this, pick with Trubisky to lead it off, especially as a Homer Bears fan, grabbing him in 701. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I think he looked pretty decent this year. So there's so many wins there for you. That was one of my favorite picks of this round. I think he looks like he'd be a legit quarterback. Yeah, it, it was my pick. I had that, that pick on the turn. So I took Robert Woods, and then I took uh, Trubisky. And this was my first quarterback that I took in, in this draft. And uh, this is something, you know, I very rarely, if ever, would do in a super flex draft. I've never drafted it my first QB this late. So I took a chance, and talking about reading the draft board, I just kind of had a feeling that Trubisky would be there. So I took a risk, and I'm happy with him as my QB1. The, my other QBs are kind of garbage, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm really high on Trubisky. But of course, this is the Homer and me talking, Trey. So. Did I did I make a good pick or you know what do you think about Trubisky? Yeah, I like the pick. I mean, I think there's a reason that he went. Wasn't a second overall in the NFL draft. I mean, um, yeah. I, I do think that I've heard a lot of good things from people that I trust when it comes to evaluating um, NFL, and uh, they saw some really good progression as the uh, season went on with Trubisky. So I like the pick, and and I'll be honest, out of these, you know, it's kind of there was Trubisky. And then the next five picks are all kind of like upside guys. I mean, some of them have produced more than others. Um, I, I don't dislike any of these picks. I, I actually kind of feel like um, each of these picks has a, a certain level of risk associated, but also uh, a fairly high upside. So um, I, I think this is a section of the draft 
where, um, you know, that, that I, I, I kind of thought each of these picks had some merit in and of themselves. One thing I want, I want to mention, guys, is quickly. Um, there's a there's debearsblog.com. That's debearsblog.com. Uh, Jonathan Wood, um, I, I retweeted this the other day. He has this great um, article. Um, as you're thinking about investing in Trubisky, it's called Data Entry Tracking Trubisky's 2017 Growth Through the Quarters Lens. So he basically look at, looks at Trubisky the first quarter of the year, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and how he's progressed. And it's a really interesting to read. And after that, I, I challenge you to not be motivated to go want to go out and buy Mitchell Trubisky. So I just wanted to throw that out there. One of the better things I saw on Twitter this week. Um, Will, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, no. I was going to say, but I, I, I kind of regretted, well, I was going to move on from Trubisky. His, <laughs> the Bears blog to track through the quarter. <laughs> so that's going to be pro I'll put that in the show notes too, that the link. So. Yeah. Go ahead and check out ilovebears.com. And you go ahead and see how dumb bears are going to do for years to come here. Uh, but anyway, I, I did love that pick. But actually, so I took two Johnson. I, the 702 and 703 were Doxson and Johnson. Uh, and I, I kind of looked back and when I was looking at this draft, I didn't really like either of them. I didn't like my dude Jackson pick just because it's based on that the, the Browns aren't going to try to take get in that, R, that RB hype train. And I feel like this is going to happen just like the wide receiver hype train has happened over the past three years. So – I don't know. If I look back, I might have I might have gone a different direction right there. Uh, also, with with Josh Doxson, with the turmoil that's happening in Washington, you're banking on there are a lot of things to work out well for him because you don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. And that for at, at this point, and, and the people who went after him, uh, I, I I guess maybe I'm just not the biggest Josh Doxson believer yet. But yeah, I, th- I agree with Trey. And I don't hate any of these. I think they're all great. Uh, if you look at upside, all great upside picks. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, let, well, what's your value, Ryan, between Duke Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and Aaron Jones? What, how would you rate those guys? Um, I guess I would go Tevin Coleman personally. I, I, I like, um, you know, what, what Tevin Coleman has shown, what he can do. And if his situation changes, you know, if he, if he gets a job kind of backfield to himself. Um, Aaron Jones and Duke Johnson are close for me. And the thing, the only, the only thing that scares me off about Duke Johnson is just that whole question what Cleveland will do if, if Saquon Barkley uh, is drafted by the Browns. Um, you know, Duke Johnson will still have a role, but I think his value diminishes. Um, and Aaron Jones, I, I, he's my favorite Green Bay running back to own. Um, I think he is probably the one that has shown the most, has the best potential. So I, I do like that pick. Trey made that pick, and I, 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 I do like the upside of Aaron Jones. So yeah. It's one of the ones where I was like, oh, man, maybe, maybe Duke Johnson wasn't the best pick here. Well, the cool yeah. thing about Aaron Jones, and, I, you know, we experienced it in this, this startup auction that we just did. Like, you know, Jason and I locked up Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So we kind of took both of them and both of them. I think we spent – it's a $1,500 uh, budget, and I think we spent a total of like 45 or $50 on the two of them uh, because I think we all know that the Green Bay running back usually has – uh, some pretty decent value. It's a great offense. So I think it's, th- that's one of those situations where um, you can take Jones in the seventh and I will, as we continue to go on here, I don't know where Jamal Williams ended up going, but it's just one of those situations where you, you might be able to, you know, maybe for a sixth and a, a ninth or a sixth and a 10th lock down that uh, green Bay backfield. And I think like you guys said, the question marks, like, who knows where Tevin, Tevin Coleman has looked great, 
playing in Atlanta. And um, so a change of scenery for him. I think, Ryan, you said it best. If he ends up somewhere where he's the lead running back, uh, this is going to be a steal. Um, and, and then Duke Johnson, of course, I mean, he was a, in full PPR. He was a running back one this year. Um, but in essence, he's really more of a slot receiver. Uh, the problem comes in is if for some reason the Browns do bring in Saquon Barkley, uh, Duke Johnson's not going to take meaningful touches away from Saquon uh, in 2018. So I, I do think that there's, um, you know, each of these running backs have some inherent risks, but the upside of each of them is, um, is, is, is pretty good. So. All right, let's get into um, the, the end of the seventh round. And at the 707, we've got, our friend Alex Smith, uh, 708, uh, Deonta Foreman, 709, Dion Lewis, uh, 710, David Njoku, 711, Michael Crabtree, and then the 712, Corey Coleman. So that's Alex Smith, Deonta Foreman, Dion Lewis, David Njoku, Michael Crabtree, and Corey Coleman. Um, so, guys, initial thoughts. You know, one thing that popped out in my mind, a guy I wanted to talk about for a second, uh, Foreman. Um, I, you know, I, I think I, – I just – I like Foreman a lot, and he finally was starting to show it when he got hurt. But I worry about him coming back from the injury. So do you guys have any thoughts on Foreman, and how do you value him? You know, he, he's a guy that I haven't really – I don't think I own any shares of him, and I – um, have never really been a, a huge believer, but the times that he got on the field this year there in Houston, um, I really liked what I saw. I do think that Lamar Miller, I, I anticipate he'll probably be back there next year, but I think that Lamar Miller's career arc is on the way down and, um, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but in this startup that's going on, you know, Jason mentioned going after Donta Foreman. And so I just started looking up some news articles and, I think Houston is really high on Donta Foreman and I, there's some beat writers in the Houston area that believe he's going to kind of run away with this job in 2018. Um, as long as the Achilles heals up well. And uh, so I, I really like, I think that this team is going to, with, with the defense, the, the stars that they're going to return on defense and Deshaun Watson at quarterback and Fuller and Deandre Hopkins at wide receiver. I, I think that this offense can be a really good offense and uh, yet their defense be, put them in a position where, you know, they need someone that can, you know, touch the ball 20, 25 times a game to, to grind out wins. And so I, I, I really am kind of coming around on Dante Foreman. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, just because of ignorance, honestly, I probably wouldn't have liked the pick much. But, but now that I've done a little bit of reading and, and seen some of the thoughts of some of the people around the, the Houston sports scene um I, I really i really like the pick and I, I like the upside he's got there i'm super shocked he went before lamar miller not that i not that i think lamar miller will like uh my my gut assumption is that lamar miller will probably not be back with the texans next year and that's i, I think i looked at his contract earlier but i can't remember off the top of my head now but my, my instant thing is that he won't be back but you have to think so if you go no injuries you that that defense is going to get better. You saw Jadavion Clowney finally, like I think, realize a lot of his potential this year because he he went one on one and has been a little bit of a bust for a couple of years. He hasn't shown too much and had some injury history, and so I think that Texas team isn't going to be this high flying air raid offense that it was this year because their defense will be better next year. And I like I think so. I don't I don't mind the Deontay Foreman pick at all. It's a, I mean again, you're speculating 
on an offense where you know so little about at the moment. And I'm excited about it. Like taking, taking Jackson Foreman is an exciting pick. So I'm all, you know, you know how much I love the hype trains in, in fantasy football and you want to be proud of the picks you're taking or at least happy about them. And so versus I, I, I you know, name Lamar Miller in my nose later, like as long as you're fine with the, the running nap, because it just isn't that exciting anymore. It's just like, you might as well just sleep. And when he plays and then just see the seven points you get every week. Uh, I think John Deformis is the upside player here. Yeah. And, and while you were talking, I just looked up the contract and uh, Lamar Miller uh, right now has two years left on his deal where uh, he's got $14 million total, I think 6.75 this year and, and or six and a quarter this year and seven, seven, five next year. But uh, the, the dead cap cut, if they were to cut him this off season is only $2 million. So I, I do think that that'll be something that they'll evaluate and look at. Um, so I, I'm not real sure. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, either way, um, I think that there's a good possibility that Donta Foreman is the lead back in that backfield next year. So it, it, should, be, it uh, just me? should be fun to watch. Is it just me or could Lamar Miller not break a freaking tackle this year? Do you guys watch him? I had him on a couple fantasy teams. And, man, he's frustrating to watch at first contact. Ugh. This is yeah, horrible. Yeah, no, agreed. Totally agree. Um, yeah, nothing to add. With, with I own Foreman a lot. I drafted him everywhere, so I, I am hoping he comes back. I just I'm worried about the injury. Um, so, so other thoughts on these other guys? I mean, I think you're you know like a guy like Njoku is interesting. He showed a lot of talent this year, and then you've got some guys that um, you know Alex Smith. We're not sure where he's going to be. Uh, but probably a good value for a QB and a super flex of the 707. Deion Lewis, what's what's ha- going to happen with him, um, you know, in the future? Does Crabtree go back to Oakland? Corey Coleman, he's one of those guys that's kind of maybe polarizing. I think it seems like people love him or hate him. So any thoughts on those guys before we move on to the eighth round? I would have I drafted him differently. I like Corey Coleman, I think, more than Michael Crabtree at this point for longevity and more of like the – the upside, just because Crabtree I mean, Crab had a down year. We had every opportunity to be a stud again. And I just don't know with the, with the coaching change there necessarily if he's back. He, he, I don't think – I think he's very, very small cap hit if they, if they get rid of him, and he's a big cap hit if they hit him. So if he doesn't restructure with the Raiders, uh, where he ends up, I think is going to be very telling. Uh, and then the other one was Deion Lewis. I think Deion Lewis is like an unrestricted free agent or restricted free agent next year. And so – I also just don't – I mean, any Patriots running back, regardless of what you've done in the past, uh, doesn't matter for the future. So, guys, let's quickly move through the eighth round. Uh, I'm just going to read all these names, just all 12 names quickly, and then just anything that, that, that um, you know, sticks out, if you want to mention, feel free to do so. And, uh, you know, we kind of at this point in the mock draft, we stopped drafting. I think we were – the participants went through rounds nine or ten. That link will be posted in the show notes if you want to see how it turned out and what the teams look like. So at the 801, there's your Lamar Miller, finally. Um, then at the 802, Jimmy Graham. 803, Chris Thompson. 804, Ty Montgomery. 805, O.J. Howard. The 806, Will Fuller. The 807, Jordy Nelson. The 808, Kelvin Benjamin. The 809, Marvin Jones. The 810, Samaj P. Ryan. The 811, Big Ben. And then the 812, Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, closing out the eighth round quickly, Lamar Miller, Jimmy Graham, Chris Thompson, Ty Montgomery, O.J. Howard, Will Fuller, Jordy Nelson, Kelvin Benjamin, Marvin Jones, Samaj P. Ryan, Big Ben, and then Tyron Taylor. So any, any 
final comments? Any, anything that sticks out in the eighth round? Well, the big, I, think, I, like, I like the big Ben pick now that he says he's coming back at least and seems motivated for the offseason. That was one of the things he was falling so far is because people felt like this was before the Steelers lost. So if they, if they lost, if they won the Super Bowl, they could, I think there was a general consensus that you could see big Ben retiring pretty easily. Yeah. So I think now that looks really good. Yeah. Now it looks really good for sure. Uh, Trey and any, any thoughts Your your guy, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor fi- finally went with a 12. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really torn on what to think about Tyrod Taylor moving forward. Um, but I'm going to actually, you know, go a little Homer here and talk about the Marvin Jones pick here. You know, uh, this is a guy that was a wide receiver one this year. And, um, you know, if you look at his production, um, first of all, he was 27 this past year. So I think he's coming into his age 28 season. And um, each of the last four years, his uh, receiving total has increased from uh, 51 to 65. No, I'm sorry, his yardage from 712 to 816 to 930 to this past year, he was at 1100 yards, um, caught nine touchdowns. He had 10 in 2013. And so I, you know, the guy was a wide receiver one. He, he had more uh, better production this past year than Devonte Adams, Brandon Cooks, Doug Baldwin. And uh, here he is sitting here at the 93rd pick overall. He's only 20, going to be 28 years old. I don't know exactly why, Marvin Jones doesn't get more love and more respect. He's entering his prime for uh, NFL wide receivers and uh, no reason that he cannot be a wide receiver one again next year. So I I thought that it was a really great value. He's a guy that I am kind of trying to acquire in the Robert Woods vein where I think that he's not really being valued or Mark Ingram. He's just not really being valued at where he produces people I think in their mind don't see him as the type of producer that he really is. Yeah, I can see that. It's a lot of the beginning of the season bias. So if you look at, if you look at the, the way this year started for Marvin Jones, especially in redraft league, he was getting dropped because uh, he had a couple of touchdowns in the first two games, but he only had two catches for 37 yards and one catch for 27 yards, each with the, you know, each touchdown the first two games and then three catches for 24, two for 42, and then he went six for 54. And then from there, that's when he really took off. And so he's, he, again, like finished the season strong, had a really great season. But that's the word that I think the bias comes in from Marvin Jones is if you didn't own him uh, before that, or you didn't own him in Dynasty and start playing him, he's, he's not on your map because you didn't think about him week after week unless he beat you in a, a week, I feel like. So, yeah, I think the 809 for, for Marvin Jones is really good value. Yeah, and isn't it wasn't he the wide receiver one last year after like three or four games? Just blew up the beginning of the season, kind of like Stephon Diggs start to this year, um, and and then kind of fell off. So anyway, he's a guy I like I, I you know this is one of my picks as I look back that I I really kind of liked and and was surprised that he fell here. Yeah, and even if you don't, I mean, I don't know, that probably was a career year. Even if he's not going to repeat those numbers, I think Kenny Galladay will probably cut into a little bit of that production. Um, still, I mean, where you get him here, I mean, at the very least, he's going to be, we're optimistic he's going to be wide receiver three, right? Even if he, you know, has, has a you know negative regression. So, yeah, I, I love that pick. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, other interesting picks, uh, you know, O.J. Howard here, I think in the eighth round is a great pick. I think O.J. Howard potentially could be better than Evan Ingram. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, what we'll see about that. Uh, Ty Montgomery, um, he's going to have a role in Green Bay, even if he, you know, um, 
one of those other running backs is, is the, you know, the, uh, you know, first couple of downs, he carries the ball and Chris Thompson's kind of intriguing to me here. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, and, and not to just bring back to only Marvin Jones talk. Did you look at his season stats? Uh, yeah. He was 61 catches for 108 targets, but 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Last year, he, had, he went for 930 and four touchdowns. I think all four of those touchdowns came in those first three games or something like that, and he really tapered off. Versus this year, he finished a lot stronger. So uh, the more I look at it, I do, I do really like the Marvin Jones pick. Uh, I also really like the, the, the Will Fuller pick right here. I know what he was doing when he came in, the way the Texans team is shaped right now is going to be significantly different. But this is really late to me for a really young, fast wide receiver who can work with the judge machine and get a little bit better at catching. He's never going to be a hands guy. But he could be like the Ted Ginn plus for a team. And that's worth an 806 pick to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I like Will Fuller there too. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think people in their head, they – they just think, oh, he can't maintain that uh, the, the the touchdown pace that that he had earlier in the year, and of course he can, but it doesn't mean he's not worth, um, you know, ninetieth pick off the board, for sure. Yeah, I just was, I mean, for the receivers, like I would take him over, like Josh Doxson, probably Devin Funches, a, a couple other guys. Uh, that's why I like to really like to Will for, and then just Jordy because with Aaron Rodgers is back. Let's say Jordy just plays two more years, a little old, but man, his red zone target and touchdown upside is, I think, easily also worth an eight oh seven pick here. Because, why? I mean, his, his upside is still to be a wide receiver one for two more years, let's say. Even with Devonta Adams and what they're doing there, he, he'll probably – my my honest, like, gut feeling is that Jordy Nelson is going to finish his career as a Packer, and he's going to take a team-friendly deal to try to get them to a Super Bowl and play his team part. So, uh, I, I do really like – I think if Jordy Nelson fell to me in this round, I was going to take him. Yeah. And it probably depends on your philosophy and team construction, but he's certainly a guy that – could could win you that first year or, you know, help you win the next couple of years. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So we're going to talk about our playoff picks. Um, Trey and I had a disastrous week last week uh, because Will went three and one. Um, Trey went one and three and I went two and two. So, Will, you lead this uh, crazy game we're playing in the playoffs. You, you against the spread, you're five and three. Nice going, my friend. Doesn't even feel that great. I feel like I should be better against the spread than five and three. Well, well, you know what you say that, but if you listen to the Harris Football Podcast, Jim McCormick and Chris Harris, these guys are pros, right? And they pick against the spread. Chris Harris is four and four. Jim McCormick is three and five. Like trying to so, so pros versus Joe showdown. Yeah, take that Harris Football Podcast. I mean, <laughs> Chris, we hope to have you on the show actually sometime soon, but. Um, so, so yeah, so Will, you're, uh, um, you're leading, you're leading by, you got a two game lead. So with three games left, so it's, it's looking pr- um, pretty insurmountable for Tran. Well, it was that, it was that Buffalo pick that you guys gave me so much crap for that I think really turned the tables for me. Yeah. Turned out the game was going to include no offense and, and barely enough points scored by the Jaguars to cover the spread. So that field goal, whew, what a day, what a day. Yeah, so so um, we're gonna have you go last with your picks since you are on top. So, um, Trey, do you want to go? You want to go first um, since, uh, uh, or do you want me to go first? I don't care. Uh, you can go ahead. I'll go first. So I, I've gone back. So we're gonna talk about Jacksonville, New England, and guys, it looks like according to my notes, is it, it's a nine point uh, New England. They're they're favored by nine points. Is that is that what you guys have? 
Yeah. That's what we've got in our chart here. So New England by nine points. And I am taking the New England Patriots. And, and I really love the over in this game too. And I'll talk about that why in a second. And at the end of the day, as much as I want this game to be close, I just think that New England, they're, they're just a better team. They have a better quarterback. And they're playing at home. And Jacksonville hasn't really been here before. I just think it has the recipe of, um, of New England just, just rolling in this game. Now, now, I do think it's going to be high scoring because I, I heard this. Uh, Evan Silva was, uh, was on the um, Fantasy Analytics podcast, and he dropped these stats, which I thought were interesting. So Jacksonville has scored 30 points or more in five of the last seven games. And they've scored 24 points or more in six of the last eight. So you don't think of that Jacksonville team as scoring a lot of points, but they are. So, um, so I'm going with New England. I'm going with my, my Patriots, my, my favorite AFC team, because I lived there for five years. I know everyone else hates the Patriots. Um, so, Trey, what do you, what do you got? Who, who do you like? I have gone back and forth about this game, and I was super tempted to go Jacksonville, Minnesota, um, and then I see Wills going Jacksonville, Minnesota. My initial pick was New England in this game um, at, at the nine points. Um, I'm going to stick with that because ultimately I think that's what I want to happen. I do think, you know, the line has moved um, down to, I think, seven and a half. So I think that a good bit of money was coming in. I just think Bill Belichick is going to make some things happen. And I think he could really ruin Blake Bortles day. So I'm, I'm going to go with New England in this in this matchup. Okay. And, uh, and Will? Uh, give me, give me <laughs> the team that I only, I guess I chose against them against uh, the Bills, but I'm going to take Jacksonville, but just to cover, uh, I don't see them beating New England at New England. Uh, I really am. I mean, I'm rooting for Jacksonville for sure. I would love this upstart team to just upset the, the dynasty that, that is in the NFL right now. That is the New England Patriots with their defense, like somehow uh, now their defensive line starts playing a lot better and stopping the run so much more and just hitting Brady early, like like basically playing like two halves the way Atlanta played in the first half in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, it, so th- that's, um, th- that's where we stand. So let's move on to the afternoon, or I guess it's an evening game because that uh, Jacksonville-New England game starts at 3.05 and then – you move over to CBS at uh, 6.40 p.m. Eastern, and you've got Minnesota going into Philadelphia to take on the Mighty Eagles, minus Carson Wentz again, of course. So that line, um, I've got Minnesota three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think that line has probably moved too. Now, Trey, are we going with the, uh, we going with the, the, the current lines, or are we going with, the, what, with what we put down on the show sheet before uh, – no, I think what's in the show sheet. Okay, so th- we're going three and a half then. And uh, yes. I guess I'll, I'll lead off again. Well, well, start. Sc- scores and odds still has it at three and a half, which I feel like is one of the more – scoresandodds.com is a pretty accurate Vegas betting site. Okay, yeah. per- three and a half. perfect then, three and a half. And I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Um, and I think this game is gonna, going to be really close. I'm not 100% sure that Philadelphia is going to win, but – you know, I think these are pretty two evenly matched teams, and and I think it's going to be this defensive struggle, this defensive showdown. And I know Minnesota has that uh, that magic on their side, that karma on their side. But I think if they win, they're just barely going to win. I almost like the Eagles to win this game because uh, you know it's it's they're at home and they've got they've got that great defense. And I 
I think both of these QBs have have their flaws, and it's going to be a, a showdown um, of, of of two colossal defenses. So Philadelphia for me. Um, I am going to make a last second change to my pick. All right, um, and I am completely of the uh, impression that Minnesota is going to win this game. And however, I do think that there's a possibility, like Ryan said, that it could be by just a uh, point two or even three. So uh, the, the fact that they have to go on the road and Philly, I think those fans are very well documented at being quite rambunctious. I think that place is going to be rocking. I think Philadelphia's offensive line has the ability to handle the, the defensive line of the Vikings a little bit. And um, more importantly, this sets up a potential three-way tie going into the Super Bowl. So I, I think that that could be pretty exciting. So, Okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, Will, bring it home. What, who, do you, who do you got? Who do you like? I'm not going to end the streak now. I don't, know, but I don't know if it would have mattered what the spread was. I was just going to take the Vikings just to feel good about it. <laughs> so – yeah, give me the Vikings. That, that so I know the Eagles have a good defense, and their offense is I'll just say like interesting. But uh, I, th- I think one, the Vi- I think the Vikings get harder after Foles than what what the Falcons did by quite a bit. Uh, and I also I also I just think that I see this being like a I, I would almost say like the Vikings are going to win like thirty one fourteen something. I, I feel like it's going to be a blowout Vikings. In all honesty. Wow. All right. Um, all right. We, we'll, we will see. We will see. So just to recap, both Trey and I were, were standing together on this. We both have New England and Philadelphia. And Will has Jacksonville and Minnesota. So it's either going to be a really great Super Bowl where everybody's in this uh, tide, or I'm just going to whip you guys so hard it's going to be embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> Either way, we'll we'll take it like a Joe, <laughs> or we could we could we could split. I'm just looking forward to potential New England uh, uh, Minnesota Super Bowl because we've got the the transplant you know bandwagon fan of, of the Vikings with Will Greenwood, and then you've well, got it comes out now. I've been a Vikings fan all over your job. Yeah, right. Finally, they see they're doing well. Then you got me, who is the definitely the hardcore Bears fan. But when the Bears are out, which is always, I I, I fall back on my uh, New England team, where I lived for five years, as as my favorite playoff team. So we can have a little uh, little little side bet or something. Be well, also, I'll, I'll say living in Minnesota uh, and being around like more like hardcore Vikings fans, they're like, oh, they'll never let them get to the Super Bowl because NFL is probably rigged, and they will never let them have a home Super Bowl. And I am I am such like one of my favorite part about sports is being a fan of sports and like and getting into the games and training for a team, just being stuff about good plays and things like that. And I feel like I, among other people that I know, have been long term Vikings fan. I feel like I'm more excited about the Vikings uh, potentially at a Super Bowl than they are, which is shocking to me. I mean, I know that. I mean, I'm, I've been an Iowa fan my whole life, so I'm used to rooting for teams that lose. It's not, <laughs> not like an issue with me. Like it's weird to me when teams win. But I always, I mean, I'm, I will always ride the high. Why not? And just if, if they lose, like, don't get that upset. Like, just have another beer and go home. Because when you're a fan of a franchise that have come, they've come so close before and they haven't been there, 
that's your mentality. Just, you know, in the Chicago area before the Cubs won the world series, you know, I'm not a Cubs fan, but talking to hardcore Cubs fans are like, well, you know, we don't want to get too excited because we've been here before. Um, and, and, and I get it, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, Bartman could run out into the field in that, that game and, and <laughs> Stefan oh, Bartman game, get out of here. I, I that mean, poor man. With strange things happen in, in, you know, with, with these, these franchises and, yeah, so I understand why Vikings fans feel that way. It His name sense. is like Jason Jones now because he had to go to witness protection because you Cubs fans. No, that's right. Well, <laughs> Bartman's been forgiven and, and all as well after the Cubs won the World Series that you know the, he can actually go out in public here in Chicago. So all is well. All right, guys, any final thoughts, words of wisdom before we get out of here? Yeah, I looked up tickets for the Super Bowl that's going to be here in Minneapolis, and I decided no matter who makes it to the game, I can't go. They are, they're just slightly under $4,000. And I made the decision not to go to the game this past week because it's 160 because I got some other things we're saving for house and stuff like that. But the, uh, the four, the four grand price range is going to be, is a little bit out of my, out of my budget. The other thing is I do think the Vikings are making the Super Bowl because it's the most Vikings things to do because so many Minnesota people rented out their places for Airbnb for this game. And they're all, they're, the people that I've talked to who have done this are all Vikings fans. And it's going to be just a spiteful Super Bowl attendance for the Vikings. Oh, man. That stinks. Hopefully those people the, have... Go ahead, Trey. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think that the NFL uh, wants the Vikings and Patriots. Could I mean, can you imagine the disaster of a Super Bowl would be if the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles? I mean, what a... What a marquee uh, matchup that, I mean, the, the star power in that game is completely on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey will be the best offensive player in the game. Uh, so I, you know, I, wait, wait, no, 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 let, you know, let it for that. Do you stop no, that right now? King no. Leo. Well, I don't know. Three, how do you still three, think he, why, three and a half yards of carry. I, I just, it, it, that, that's what happens when you have no quarterback and you place the stack box your entire life. Yeah. He basically went from LSU to the LSU in, NFL yeah no I like I just think it would be ridiculous because you on the other side you've got Tom Brady um who's like the you know greatest you've got the greatest coach potentially uh, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history and Belichick so you know if 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 what we end up getting is a Super Bowl of Blake Bortles and the Jaguars taking on Nick Foles and the Eagles it's going to just be this massively anticlimactic it'll still be a good game i'll still watch because it's a super bowl but uh the excitement factor for me is going to be incredibly hindered if we don't get new england and minnesota do you think they might play a consolation game (laughs) that sense (laughs) just for fun just like be like hey whichever team wins each player gets a million dollars you go yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun weekend. Are b- both games are Sunday? Yeah. Uh, uh, the New England-Jacksonville games at like 3.30. The Minnesota game is uh, central time. So 4.30. I think it's 4.30 and 7.30. Oh, yeah, and I made a Eastern. mistake. I made a mistake. I said Minnesota-Philadelphia on, on CBS. CBS is, of course, Jacksonville-New England. I, I, I guess I cut off my TV. So I, I think Minnesota-Philadelphia is on Fox. So check I your local. I didn't hear you mention CBS. I didn't yeah. know where from. The TV stations don't you can't say them yet until they pay us. Check your local listings. And, and I wish I could <laughs> I wish I could joke about like what horrible show they have on CBS that we don't watch. Like uh and make sure you watch the next episode of I mean, I don't even know what's on CBS. 
CBS does something. And they've got, it's like an older demographic. Um, <laughs> anyway, worst case scenario, we've got great commercials to watch during the Super Bowl, no matter what the matchup is. And, and we'll, we'll watch it and we'll love it. And it doesn't matter because we're moving into the offseason and dynasty and trades and mm-hmm. trade talk. So with that, let's get out of here, guys. Wait, it's 3.05 Eastern and 6.40 Eastern. You guys might even be surprised yeah. to see a Fantasy Joe's uh, Super Bowl ad. You guys keep an eye out for that. That's right. Right well, after the – Trey just parachutes in somehow to the Viking Stadium, which is a dump. Crashes through the glass, creates a ruckus. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, Bray Trarit does these things. <laughs> Bray Trarit. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, we got to go, guys. Uh, I want to thank our listeners again to listen to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at FFJoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. Let us know how we are doing and what you want from us. We come at you weekly, usually on Fridays with new episodes, but be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And leave us a review, but only if it's a positive one. You can find us on Twitter. Bray, or Trey, is at Trey Barrett. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy and two of us are on Twitter. <laughs> well, I'm there. Ryan's stepping up his Twitter game. I like it, Ryan. Oh, thank I've been, you. I've, I've, I've been picking up what you're putting down. Well, <laughs> i got to try to see if it remembers my password. I might do. <laughs> I told you, three weeks to, for Will to respond to those DMs. You're going to get those right now, whoever DM'd them. Mm, I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> if he could figure out his password. Yeah, I I got it wrong. (laughs) Reset. Got it right. (laughs) It's the wrong one. (laughs) 